Welcome to Uncovered. It's Wednesday. I'm Anthony Davis. He is Ron Filipkowski. Um, and between, between us, we're going to try and get our heads around some of the crazy stuff that's happening across the MAGA universe. We uncover the MAGA propaganda that is not uncovered by the mainstream media. We've got so much to talk about, Ron. Well, obviously, we've got uh, the win for Donald Trump in Iowa. Well, that's certainly how he's spinning it. We'll look at that in a little bit later. Got some DeSantis stuff to talk about as well. But let's start with the uh, big news of the day. And that is that um, E. Jean Carroll took the witness stand this morning in her defamation trial against Donald Trump, marking the first time she's confronted the disgraced former president in a courtroom. Uh, Carroll's testimony so incensed Donald Trump that he had numerous outbursts, apparently, and the judge has warned him that he could be kicked out of court. Uh, and they kind of taunted each other. Tell us, just bring us up to date with what's going on there. Yeah, so I follow four or five different reporters that are in the courtroom at any given time, and I'm, I'm constantly reading their stuff so I can I can almost get a complete transcript by combining what all of them are saying um, yeah, so I, I think that what happened here is the judge, Trump is there today. E. Jean Carroll is going to testify. She's obviously a sex assault victim. A previous jury has already found that. And Alina Habah is there. And I think that Judge Kaplan also has the experience of knowing what happened in the other trial, the Engeron trial, where Trump and the lawyers had all kinds of antics, misbehaved, you know, through temper tantrums. And Engeron largely let them get away with it. And I think one of the big reasons is he's a different type of a judge, number one. But number two, there's no jury there. Right. So when there's no jury there, you can kind of allow some of that stuff because a judge can sort of tune it out. But when you have a jury there, you can't let the jury be influenced by all of that stuff. So you have to shield the jury from nonsense. And, you know, in watching this this trial and when it got time for Alina Habat to cross-examine, that's where things really went off the rails. But before that, I mean, the judge was constantly stopping her and lecturing her on, you know, when you object, you're supposed to object with one to three words, you know, objection leading, objection asked and answered, you know, but Alina Habat doesn't do that. You know, she makes speeches and, you know, he kept telling her, you're not going to do that. She kept bringing up multiple times Trump wanting to go to his mother-in-law's funeral tomorrow as the excuse. And he just said, you know, we're not going to keep arguing that. And that was another thing that she kept doing with anger on was keep bringing up the same things over and over again. He let her know that wasn't going to happen. So there was a, a number of things where he just basically kept telling her, like, sit down and shut up. And <laughs> and, you know, he ruled the courtroom with an iron hand. But but the real comedy began began when it came her time to do for her to cross-examine E. Jean Carroll, which happened this afternoon, started about one o'clock, the cross. And it became very clear right away that she is not a litigator. She does not know how to do very basic things that really any first-year public defender would know how to do. She does not know how to do them. Yeah. Um, and I don't mean to do a big soliloquy here, but I'll, I'll give you just a, a, one short example. So she began the cross-examination with... She was going to ask E. Jean Carroll, isn't it true that you moved from Montana to New York City because you thought Montana was boring and you wanted more excitement in your life? E. Jean Carroll says, no, Montana was not boring. 
So obviously in the dep- the two depositions that E. Jean Curl had given in the past, she may have said Montana was boring at some point in one of those depositions in the past. So what is supposed to happen is a trial lawyer in that situation, every question you have, you should have a page number and a line number from the deposition transcript that you're getting this information from. So it would go like this. E. Jean Carroll says Montana is boring. Page 29, line six, deposition right. from 2000. Very simple, right? So everybody can follow along. Everybody knows. So what you do then is you say, oh, E. Jean Carroll says something different. You provide the transcript to E. Jean Carroll, to the witness, to the judge. Opposing counsel presumably already has it. And you would just say, okay, Miss Carroll, I would like to call your attention to the deposition that you gave back in February of 2021. I want to have you turn to page six, line nine. I'm going to read to you what you said. You said, do you recall making that statement? Yes. Isn't that different than what you said here in court today? And then they're going to either say yes or no and explain it or whatever. So it's very simple. But Alina Habat doesn't know how to do that. <laughs> so she would just go, well, you know, you remember when you said, when you told me last year, you thought it was boring. You can't do it like that because a witness is like, how do I remember what I said two years ago yeah. about Montana? Yeah. So, and you're just ambushing, trying to ambush everybody. And so she kept continuing to try to do that. And the judge took two recesses breaks and said, you know, basically like you need to consult with somebody who knows what they're doing who can explain to you how to do that. But, you know, she didn't do that. She just she just basically gave up and and tried to plow forward. What happened to the other lawyer, the the, the tough guy, Joe Tacopino, whatever his name was? He got off the case. I mean, that was interesting timing. So he gets off the case literally like, what, two, three days before the trial is going to start? Yeah. Clearly, something happened there. I mean, people have speculated, like, maybe Trump didn't pay his bill. That's possible. Surprise, But surprise. I think that Tacopina knew this wasn't going to be this wasn't going to be good. <laughs> well, he, and he's, he, he's experienced trial lawyer. He's been yeah. around. He's done a lot of trials. So this would not be happening if Tacopina was in there. You know, yeah. he, he knows what he's doing. But I think what he knew is that, like, they probably had a division of labor where they sat down and like Habas going to do this, Takapina is going to do this, and Takapina probably said like, "No, you know, I'm not, I'm not sitting second fiddle to her in this trial." I think that that's what probably was going on. He also probably knew that, you know, he he probably couldn't make any ground. You know that that yeah. he was obviously going to lose, and so you know it was just how much they were going to lose by, because this is of course now. You know, you know, civil defamation case. So this is about money, right? This is how much uh, Donald Trump is going to have to pay E. Jean Carroll for defaming her. Was it nineteen times in in like forty eight hours online? Yeah, it was like twenty twenty two. I mean, here's what I can tell you: an effective lawyer can do some work on this case because what you're trying to do is minimize the amount of damage. And, and there is a case to be made here. I'm, I'm not talking about the allegations have already been proved. Like you said, yeah. we're just talking about how much money. So really what this is about is, you know, how much did E. Jean Carroll lose in earnings and income and how, and, and you could also argue too, that a lot of the threats from Trump's followers, Trump was unaware of or didn't know about and is not responsible for. So, there is arguments that a clever and a good lawyer can make to minimize the damage here, 
But instead of doing that, they're just basically like walking into a China shop with a sledgehammer and smashing all the dishes. You know, <laughs> it's just not going well for them. And uh, we'll see what happens. But he continues to defame her. And he posted yeah. uh, a couple of days ago. I'll, I'll, I'll show it and read it out for those listening on the audio podcast. But he, he posted on Truth Social after an historic win in Iowa. I'm going to the Biden-encouraged witch hunt in Lower Manhattan to fight against a fake case from a woman I have never met, seen, or touched. Celebrity lines don't count. Naturally, it starts right after Iowa and during the very important New Hampshire primary, where despite their sinister attempts, I will be tonight. It is a giant election interference scam pushed and financed by political operatives. I had no idea who this woman was. Pure fiction. I mean, what's pure fiction, Ron, is everything in that post, literally everything in that post, if we go line by line, it is everything can be disproved that he is saying. For a start, he, he's been pushing this story that he doesn't know her, right? Despite being photographed with her, despite knowing her ex-husband quite well and, and saying that he's a, he was a good guy, I mean... It's just so weird that you can try and, or a guy like Trump can try and rewrite history despite so much physical evidence against him. The, the posts that he made yesterday and today were brought up in court. They, the jury today found out about those, that Trump is still attacking her. So, you know, the stuff that kind of gets his followers all excited hurts him in courtrooms. Yeah. So what you said, like line by line, when you say, there's kernels of truth in what he says, but he he takes those kernels and he perverts them. You right. know, it's sort of like Lord of the Rings where they turned elves into orcs. You know, he, he perverts what 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 starts out as something true. Which so when he when he talks about okay, Biden pushed this, what he's referring to is like this started with George Conway, and you know George Conway has nothing to do with Joe Biden, but you know the implication here is that like. George Conway was an emissary for the Biden administration because how this started was, you know, she didn't want to pursue any of this in criminal court and all of that. She didn't want to go through all that and and try and have him arrested. But she met George Conway at a party a couple of years ago, three, four years ago. And Conway was explaining to her, you can sue. You can sue for this in civil court. And it's not like criminal court. And he he sort of explained it all to her and said, you know, I, I know a good lawyer if you want me to refer you. And that's that's how it started. Right. And so that's his argument that Biden is behind this. But but actually, when George met her at the party, Biden wasn't even president. But he also was, George know, Conway, is a, George Conway a, is a Republican. He um, was. Yeah, yeah. You know, was married to Kellyanne Conway. At the and, time, he was married to Kellyanne Conway. Right. That's right. So it, it, you know, none of it makes any sense. And then this argument that Trump makes about how, you know, I should be at the New Hampshire primary, but, you know, they're forcing me to stay here. He doesn't have to be in court for this. There is no he reason left, why he should should be there in person. He left court early yesterday. He left at two o'clock in yeah. the middle of the day and flew to New Hampshire and did a rally. Yeah. So he, he wasn't going to do anything in New Hampshire yesterday morning. You know, by the way, you know, and I've t I've talked about this, that you know, he's circling the drain here on, mm. he looks terrible. He sounds terrible. Yeah. Let me give you a good example. So Iowa, Iowa caucus is late. It doesn't even start till six 30. So it get they called it, you know, they called it early, but I mean, they really didn't have the, the all the results. Cause he was waiting to see who was going to win between DeSantis and Haley. 
That really doesn't happen until about 11. And then, of course, he's got all the victory parties and the speeches and everybody's patting him on the back, which he loves. So he's soaking all that in. Hobson is playing. He doesn't get to New York City until 3.30 in the morning. And he's got to be in court at 9.30, right? right? So then he's got to go to Bedminster, you know, and and then it's going to take Walt now to two hours to do his hair and makeup for him. So how much sleep does he get? So he, so he, so he gets there from Iowa at three 30. He's in court at nine 30 sits there through jury selection for four or five hours. Then hops on a plane, goes to New Hampshire, does a rally, turns around and comes back and he's back in court today. Now you're telling me that that's, that this is not because this is, this is going to be his pace from now. Well, that's what I was about to say. This is, you know, going forward. This is this is only getting worse. Yeah. Unless he chooses not to do rallies, of course, because you, you have to remember that it's not the it's not the states and districts asking for the rally to be here. Please come and do a rally. <laughs> right. It's it's right. him choosing where he wants to do a rally strategically for you know electoral purposes or electoral college purposes. And then and then organizes it himself, hands out the hats, you know, employs the crowd, uh, pays six black people to stand behind him. You know, it's it's his production. So this is his schedule. And that's how he keeps the money rolling in, too. Yeah. That, you know, he raises most of his money through small donations from these people. So him doing these rallies is not just about self-promotion. It's about making money, too. Off well, he has to make a living, right? Because. I mean, yeah. off the back of the Manhattan case, the the, the uh, you know the Letitia James case, he's not going to be able to work in 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 New York anymore, right? New York State. So yeah. he's got to. And think about how much these trials are costing him. Yeah. And then what if what if E. Jean Carroll gets a? I think she's already gotten a judgment for like five million. That's what right. if she gets and hits him for another ten mil? You know. Yeah. I mean, you know, th- this is not. This is not good for Trump. It's not good physically, like emotionally. It's it's wearing him down. And financially, you know, he's Biden right now is like one hundred and twenty five million in the bank, something like that. War chest. Trump, you know, he's spending the money as fast as he's taking it in. I've just been watching a documentary on uh, Peacock to uh, coin a, a, a carry a phrase. And um, it was about uh, Jeffrey Epstein and uh, Prince Andrew and that whole relationship. And there's lots of clips of Trump in there. And they're really talking about how, you know, this set, you know, these people, they're all narcissists, right? These these men who can do anything, get away with anything, sleep with anybody they, anybody they want, and just, you know, they have expensive lifestyles and they, and, they, and they treat the world like they own it. They don't follow any rules, laws as the rest of us do. And it was, it's very interesting to me that this kind of narcissistic personality disorder seems to kind of flow through so many of these people. And so when I saw that this this case was coming up, I was like, you know, wouldn't it be amazing if Donald Trump was put on the stand and actually had to face his accuser every time he's pissed someone off or been rude, you know, like mm. been abusive or aggressive or ripped someone off or underpaid people or not paid people or, or slandered or libeled people? Everything he would never be out of court, Ron. And he has a very difficult time with that because yeah. in the New York fraud trial, I mean, the closest thing we had to that was when Michael Cohen testified, who yeah. was, you know, I guess his primary accuser in that case. So he he was constantly throwing temper tantrums and fits and had to be calmed down while Cohen was testifying. Same thing happened today with Carol twice. The judge even got to one point where he warned him that he was going to remove him from the courtroom if he didn't stop because he kept blurting out 
witch hunt. Yeah. You know. Well, apparently he was talking con. to his counsel. Yeah, but, but very loudly. It, doing it loudly. So and yeah. and and doing it in a way that if there was a jury, then they obviously would have been privy to that, right? Yep, yep, but that's what was happening. It's, I mean, yep. just think about that kind of behavior, and it goes back to what I'm saying about these narcissists, these kind of, you know, lifelong narcissists, is that they just don't care a jot for the fact that this is a court of law, they don't respect the judge, and, and they need to... They need to learn a lesson, not just being hit with a $5 million fine or 15, no. 20 million. You know, it, it needs to be, they need to be publicly humiliated and ridiculed. Um, I just want to show the clip of J- Trump. I think, I think jail is the only thing that's going to Jail, yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. But the problem with jail for Trump is not going to be jail for, you know, the average person, right? It's going to be some kind of four-star hotel. Well, <laughs> and, it's and still going to be painful for him. Yeah. I mean, he's used to being a very pampered individual, you know? And so if you and me maybe stayed in club fed that he's going to be at, we, we might be able to handle it a little bit better, but he's a diva. I mean, he's not going to be able to deal with it. He's never stayed in a days in motel like you and I. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I want to show this clip of him looking like shit. Um, what, where is this? Where is he arriving in this clip where he just looks terrible and he's wearing some kind of, Oh yeah. This was when he got to Iowa Saturday night. Um, yeah, he's just rolling in and yeah, he looked pretty ragged out. Yeah, okay. Enjoy every second of this. Here it is. Yeah. We've got a lot of meetings tonight. We're doing well. We have a lot of tremendous support. But it's nasty out there. Are you so confident that they're Aside from him looking grim there, and I mean, you know, it's not fair to criticize people's physicality, but in his case, tough. That we posted on Midas Touch a, a photo of him like waving, and there was like these red blisters all over his fingers and the palm of his hand, like he's. And I looked that up, you know, I was like, I wonder what that yeah. is. And, and, yeah. and what I could find is that it could be as a result of stress, it could be some kind of psoriasis as a result of stress. I mean, he is under a lot of pressure right now. He is really starting to unravel. You can see it. I mean, that's when he first got to Iowa. Now, keep in mind, the other candidates are out there hitting bars and rodeos and farms. They're out in the snow. They're going door to door. Trump's not doing any of that stuff. He's just flying in, giving a speech and leaving. And this is him just arriving from Palm Beach. And he looks like this. Yeah. I, th- the whole thing is wearing him down there. And there's a couple other things you see there. You know, one is in addition to the hand that, that I saw a lot of speculation on that. Maybe he fell and he caught himself. Right. That, that could be um, could be from a lot of shaken hands. Who knows? Somebody he shook hands with had an infection. Um, but, you know, he's also dragging his right leg a lot. That's right. right? There's a little bit of a weird gait, a, a kind of limp where he lifts yes. the right foot a little bit. It's been to, a couple to... weeks now. Yeah. And there's a lot of speculation, you know, you have all the medical people who, you know, doctors and stuff who follow yeah. me and they all chime in with their diagnosis. But, right. but there, look, there's a lot going on with this guy. And, you know, he sweats a lot. Uh, he slurs his words a lot. He slurred his words in that clip. 
Um, there's a lot going on. And and as these criminal trials continue to go on and these other civil trials continue to go on, it's only going to get worse for him. Yeah. I always thought, you know, when are the, when's the McDonald's diet going to catch up with him? Because, of course, Joe Biden is, is slim and fit and... You know, the, the, and he's, you know, yeah, he's three years older, but he's aging differently because he's slim. With Trump, I feel like the whole kind of, because Trump pretends that the age gap's like 20 years instead of three years, doesn't he? Like, likes to yeah. position it like that. But actually, there's going to come a point where Trump can't fake it anymore. And even in that clip of him in the corridor, you know, I, I saw a very kind of set, you know, we, you used that uh, trading places phrase, uh, example, last week when you were we were talking about um the Dan Aykroyd character yeah yeah. with with, with Kushner but do you remember when Dan Aykroyd became like was dressed in the in the Santa Claus outfit towards the end and was drunk and was like dragging his feet that that's the kind of image that I get from Donald Trump then it's kind of an old sad you know disgusting Santa Claus yeah yeah I mean that's that's the way he looks. And, you know, it, it, you saw there, he, you know, when he, he he understands how to cover up a lot of the problems, yeah, you yeah. know, with makeup and, and dress and all that. The but, girdle. Yeah, with a girl. But when you see him like this in these moments where he's caught on somebody's camera, where he's not really necessarily expecting to be filmed, we've seen that before when he's backstage at different events. Yeah. That's when you really see, you know, what he really looks like. Yeah. Fascinating. Could, of course, be tomato ketchup on his fingers. We, we, we didn't consider that. Um, OK, let's move on and talk about the uh, about Iowa, because this is a very interesting uh, event that's taken place, this kind of caucus vote. We saw clips of uh, a, gro- a brown grocery bag, paper bag being handed around and people throwing in pieces of paper. This is not the safest kind of election. I mean, if anybody was going to you know, make a point about uh, the integrity of, of, of this, then they would have several several points to make. But that's not really the issue here. The issue is that it was freezing cold in Iowa. There's a very low turnout. Uh, Trump got, what, 49%? Um, 51. 51 yeah. percent. Okay, yeah. just, pipped, just pipped it, right? Um, Vivek Ramaswamy is out now. Uh, Asa Hutchinson is out now. So really it's DeSantis and Nikki Haley who are kind of, you know, and they, and they weren't, close i mean it wasn't it wasn't a close second and third i mean trump is is out there just tell us a little bit about this vote before i show this clip of ramaswamy batting for trump well you know it's interesting to look at the three individuals that we just talked about you yeah. know haley and 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 say okay where do they go from here yeah. number one you know iowa the, the iowa caucus voters are well, the the turnout was fourteen percent of Republicans in Iowa turned out. Yeah. So, you know, what what are you going to read from fourteen yeah. percent of and the they're Iowa? All rural. white Christians, by the looks of it. They're, they're white Christian rural. Yeah. You look at the vote, how it broke down, um, college versus no college. You know, Haley again does well with the college graduates. That's yeah. where votes came from. But in Iowa, the Republican primary voters in Iowa are very overwhelmingly not college graduates. Yeah. That changes when you go to New Hampshire, which is why Nikki Haley is polling so much better in New Hampshire uh, vis-a-vis Trump, because, you know, there's a there's a much larger percentage of college graduates among Republicans in New Hampshire. So that's really where the breakdown comes. You know, Trump does really well with rural no college voters. And so Haley is probably going to do 
quite well in New Hampshire, it's either going to be a dead heat or she's going to lose by a little or beat him by a little. DeSantis is going to get annihilated because he didn't even go to New Hampshire after Iowa. He said he was going to, but he didn't. He blamed the weather. The weather was fine. Uh, He went to South Carolina and he's basically banking on South Carolina to keep him in the game. So what's going to write the polls right now are 40, 40 Trump, Haley DeSantis is right around eight. And then, you know, you go to South Carolina and that's Haley's home state. And it's also Trump country. Trump is enormously popular in South Carolina his biggest rally he ever had, he got 50,000 people to show up in Pickens, South Carolina. There's nothing in Pickens, South Carolina. There's no there's no major city like in that close vicinity. So the fact that he got 50,000 people to show up in a cow pasture is impressive. So again, DeSantis, DeSantis has no electoral path, which is why I said yesterday that what is DeSantis doing? Why is he still in this race, especially with so many problems happening in Florida right now? DeSantis is in this race because he's hoping that something happens to Trump. He's hoping Trump gets convicted of a crime or you know, sent to prison or drops dead of a cheeseburger. And he's going to be there to pick up the pieces to where all the Trump supporters will say, well, we don't want Haley. Yeah. Trump's out of the picture. We'll go to DeSantis now. That's what DeSantis is thinking, okay? So when when all these pundits talk about, well, how can DeSantis win? That's how he's trying yeah. to win. And he's it's not a, it's not a bad play, best. Ron. You know, it's it's not a bad play. You know, you you have to, right. you've got to be the heir apparent when you're dealing. I mean, it's a little bit, I guess, how, how Prince William feels right now with 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 King Charles. You know, it's like if the if the king falls, you got to have a second. And I think as as King Charles felt when he was Prince Charles and, and Queen Elizabeth was still alive. You know, it's like, it's going to happen any day now. And I, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure that, that DeSantis feels that because DeSantis does not have what it takes. I mean, as we've discussed many times before, he, he would probably would fill the shoes by default, but he is not strong enough to actually beat Trump in any way, right? He is yeah. relying on, on the downfall of, of Donald Trump, as we all are. I don't want DeSantis, though. He's literally just as bad, if not potentially worse. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Now, Haley, you know, I think Haley needs DeSantis to stay in as long as possible, because I think whatever votes DeSantis gets, he's taking from Trump. And once 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 he's out, those votes are going to go to Trump. So Haley wants him to stay in. Her her deal is she wants to win New Hampshire, do really well in South Carolina. Then you got a little bit of a break before Super Tuesday when all the southern states votes. And the idea is that all the money will come flooding into Haley, which will help her in the South. I mean, that, that's her plan. For me, I don't believe Haley can win. But what I have said before and what I'm still saying is I want Haley to stay in this race and to stress out Trump. Yeah. Trump made like 20 social media posts about Haley today. <laughs> I mean, he he's now obsessed with her. And that's a good thing. Again, the more stress we put on Trump, the more money we make him spend, the better. And the other thing is that in the meantime, whilst the primary continues, the the opposition to Donald Trump are going to really start to slag him off. And this is what DeSantis is doing now. And they, you know, and Nikki Haley's done it multiple times, which is why Trump's been messaging, you know, posting about her. Is that is that they're starting to say things about Trump and about Republic or MAGA Republicans that they would never normally say if they True. were batting for his team. And so in the meantime, we're starting to hear this kind of 
dysmorphic audio because it's 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 the wrong stuff coming out of their mouths. Normally they're all singing from the same hymn sheet. And and I think this is very interesting because it it you know it's so hard to cross the Rubicon of that ecosystem where media sits. But when it's Republicans saying bad stuff about Trump, there's a good chance that some of that stuff will slip through in the in the right wing media. You are right. Finally, DeSantis and Haley are starting to take the gloves off and hit Trump. They're hitting him, I think, on a lot of things that are good, but not everything, which is they're hitting him on his record as president, you know, the deficits, all of that. They're hitting him on some of the character issues, um, a little bit on January 6th, not much, just, a, you know, dipping their toe in there yeah. um, and, and on his age and electability. Um, but one of them, I believe, needs to go all in on Trump's criminal cases. And, yeah. and they need to call not not one of them has talked about the documents case. That, that's an egregious abuse of power and criminality. If you don't want to touch January 6th because you're worried that the Republican base doesn't want you to go there, you can at least go after him on the documents case, you know. But they won't even do that. I believe that if Haley actually does do that and calls him out for the classified documents, I think she will see a bump. I really do. Because I think that the Republican base, old school Republican voters are looking for that. The only one who's done it is Christie. But, you know, Christie really wasn't a serious candidate. And I've heard it from a a few clips of um, Republicans doing the, the meme rounds at the moment saying, you know, the way Trump has handled himself makes me not want to vote for him. The fact that he's involved in all this criminal activity makes me not want to vote for him. I do think that there is, you know, there is starting to be some permeation of of this kind of the truth about Trump's crooked life is starting to come through. He's not the messiah. Let me play this clip of DeSantis criticizing Fox. Here it is. He's got basically a Praetorian guard of of, of the conservative media, uh, Fox News, um, you know, the, the websites, all the, this stuff. They just don't they don't hold them accountable because they're worried about losing viewers and they don't want to have the ratings go down. Uh, and, and that's just that's just the reality. That's just the truth. And I'm not complaining about it. Um, I'd rather that not be the case. But that's just, a, I think, an objective reality. So when. You are complaining about it. <laughs> I was going to say, he's yeah. not complaining about it. Complaining about what it. is that? <laughs> yeah. It was a complaint. Um, but that's perfect, isn't it? I mean, it's a perfect example yep. of, 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 you know, trying to, because we live in these media bubbles and, you know, to get the, the truth out into this right wing sphere is very difficult. And when the candidates start doing it because they're just fighting for their lives, then it's actually very useful in the in the in the bigger picture of to, you know. and to to your point that you made a few minutes ago. That's why it's so important to have these Republican primaries happening. Right. This is why Trump wants to end these primaries now, and mm-hmm. why his people are putting so much pressure on Haley and DeSantis to drop out because you know statements like that get played on right wing media. They're yeah. covering Ron DeSantis, so something like that would never get out if there wasn't a primary because you know, us saying it or Joy Reid saying it or yeah. Joe Scarborough saying it, that's not going to get into the Republican ecosystem. 
but Ron DeSantis saying it is. And, and, you know, what DeSantis said right there, he would never have said a month ago. No. You know, he's saying this stuff now out of desperation. Yeah. He's they're finally all, telling the truth. Yeah. Yeah. But the other funny part about that is, you know, Fox protected DeSantis. He was their golden child. I mean, he was Fox wanted him to be the nominee ahead of Trump a year ago, but they've they've abandoned him. They realize he's not the guy. Yeah. But for a long time, they were carrying his water. So it's funny to hear him whining about Fox when, you know, Fox was doing one nice, soft, you know, piece on him, profile pieces on him for months and months with with nothing negative. You know, I was just thinking that none of these people, aside from Donald Trump, who is only presidential material because, A, he's been the president before, and B, he's, you know, such a, a massive star in the in that kind of right-wing world. But Nikki Haley and, and DeSantis, they're not presidential material. They just they just don't have the the star quality that is required in this country. You know, we, we do look to this kind of very... You have, you have to be somebody who is, you know, who can really hold the room, right? And or have people look when you come in. And Obama was the king of that, really. And and Joe Biden has an aspect of that, I guess, because just by nature of his experience. But yep. I, I just can't see, you know, if something was to happen to Donald Trump, I, I really can't see there being any significant support for those other two Republican candidates. No, I mean, you know, Nikki Haley has this opportunity to carve out this moderate, you know, minority. But she's woman. not moderate. She's but a very, she's not. Yeah, she's an extreme no, you're right. person. She is a, a vile, racist person who that, doesn't. That lane is there for her to yeah. take advantage of, but yeah. she doesn't want to take it. She's too she, true to right. herself. <laughs> Yeah, right. She can't fake it, Ron. That's the thing. Um, Tell me, why did Vivek Ramaswamy pull out when he did? Because I want to show this clip of him batting for Trump. Well, it's good. That's a good segue. Actually, I was going to move into Vivek based on what we were just talking about, which is, you know, he had a strange, strange week. I mean, it the way this came, this played out the last few days was bizarre. Because I was saying for months, you know that. Vivek was not really running for Vivek. I mean, Vivek, he knew he couldn't win and all right. of that. He was a Trump surrogate from the beginning. He was a Trump it? surrogate who yeah. was there to debate Christie and Haley and defend Trump because Trump was going to skip the debates. Yeah. And then I predicted many times he was going to then drop out at some point and endorse Trump. All of that happened. But the little monkey wrench was that Vivek got caught on a hot mic, uh, not a hot mic, a cell phone camera from a TikTok video. Oh wow. About 2 days before the primary, the caucus, where he was telling this woman that that if Trump was the nominee, the deep state was going to assassinate him this summer. And so what he was telling this poor woman, this older woman is really taking advantage of her. You know, was saying, "Look, if you really love Donald Trump because she was a Trump supporter, if you really love Donald Trump and you care about him and you want to protect him and you don't want to see him killed, you'll vote for me because if Trump becomes the nominee, they're going to kill him <laughs> is basically what he was saying. And I, I think that he never expected that to like get out into the into the universe. But someone recorded that on a cell phone that was off to the side and posted it on TikTok. It ended up hitting Twitter. It got back to Trump and Trump was furious. Yeah. So, you know, 24 hours before the caucus, I think that they clearly had this deal going and Trump just 
blew, had a temper tantrum over that video and blew the deal up and just trashed Vivek. And, you know, Vivek was immediately started backpedaling, apologizing. You know, you got me wrong. Trump supporters all went after him and said, you know, we were skeptical of this guy. Now we see who he really is. But but, you know, a cult is a cult. And when Vivek immediately knew, like, I got to get out now and support Trump now because this is bad. This is going badly. Yeah, which he did. He goes up Trump. You know, they embrace yesterday in, in New Hampshire. And now I watch MAGA reaction and Vivek's all good now. He's good again. It's all so fickle, isn't it? It's in 24 so hours, they went from hating him to loving him. Yeah. Well, that, but that is the that is the cult mentality, the cult behavior. You know, we're not talking about the real world. We're talking about this weird parallel universe. Okay, watch this clip of Vivek Ramaswamy doing his like you know having having quit from the race, trying to kind of get back into Trump's good books by brown nosing the hell out of this this speech. Also, look at how he puts his hand on Donald Trump. This is really interesting. Trump did not like that. No, Trump does not like <laughs> to be touched. He doesn't like being touched. And, and, and watch how Trump tries not to kind of grimace. It's very, it's very subtle. Here it is. Yep. Government-issued ID to match the voter file and English as the sole language that appears on a ballot. And I'm confident this man will be the one to get us there. And this is how we get our country back. Not black or white. It's deeper than that. These are the ideals of the American Revolution. And you know what? We do have some enemies that we need to defeat on the other side, but we have challenges to address in our own party right here at home. So you know what? If you want somebody who's going to... He is a, just a vile person, really. The, probably one of the worst people <laughs> to present themselves worst. for public office since George Santos. I mean, obviously, I'd rather have DeSantos. I mean, DeSantis, as much as I dislike DeSantis and can't stand him, I'd rather have them than, him than this guy. Yeah. I mean, you know... He's too slippery, this guy. After that, that like Trump was going to choose him as as his running mate. And you just don't understand Trump if you think that, because, you know, the 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 instruction booklet is Mike Pence. Trump will never take someone that can overshadow him, steal the spotlight, you know, command attention. You know, he knows that, this. you know, his followers believe that Vivek is a dynamic speaker and perhaps more so than Trump to them. And so Trump cannot have that. You know, you look to a Pence, somebody who's going to be clearly second fiddle, not take up any of the oxygen in the room. Trump will be the star. You defer to him. It's also why I picked Stefanik as my choice, because that is Elise. Elise will do that. Yeah. Vivek will never do that. He mm -hmm. always wants to be. You can't have two the two alphas. You know. Yeah. Well, he's also a narcissist, that right? Yeah. That that and you can't that, have two narcissists. Yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't yeah. work. And do you know it's interesting? There's a, there's a quite a few characters that appear in American media across the world, world media. You know, who are what do you call them? Like blowhards, people who talk a good talk very flowery language they you know they obviously have a, a an intellect that enables them to speak quickly but it is empty you know what they say is empty it's a whole lot of words like a word salad with with an extra helping of salad dressing you know th this is the problem with vivek ramaswamy you know we have a few we have piers morgan here's morgan what, i was is that who you were gonna say here's morgan's face was in front of me right. when you were saying that exactly <laughs> the same Yes. And then out of Canada, you know, people like Jordan Peterson, who sold a whole load of books yes. 
is is probably you know he is not an intelligent man. He is a he's a, he is a far right operative. It's pretty obvious if you watch any of his you know sure. interviews, and yet he presents himself as somebody who is you know learned and smart and 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 talks about surveys and you know the the kind of case studies and and it's like it's just a cover. And it's the same with Ramaswamy. You know, it is, it is a cover for the fact that inside there is a, a emptiness, a loneliness, a sadness. And so they have to make an awful lot of noise. And obviously Trump's the same. Yep, absolutely. And that's why they won't be running mates. You know, I, I predicted that Vivek is going to be like Commerce Secretary or something. Hopefully not because Trump won't win. But I mean, yeah. that that's sort of where they're headed. But the other thing is Trump expects vivek to write a very big check vivek is extremely wealthy i think he's worth like 800 million dollars right uh so you know trump is looking for like a million dollar check to be written to his pack which probably happened last night interesting okay well so 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 that uh that cost him quite a bit that move it cost cost quite a bit yeah okay (laughs) listen we have to take a quick pause for our sponsor we're going to come back talk more about trump admitting to taking money from foreign countries we've got junior talking about ukraine giving the game away and a whole interesting angle on martin luther king jr day from the uh, maga republicans that's uh, on the way next here on uncovered This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Maybe you have a plan to start 2024 in a new direction. Maybe a little self-improvement. Well, I've been in therapy for over a decade, and it's something that I take very seriously, something I really enjoy, and something that I really have seen the results of. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suitable to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. I really do think 2024 is the right time to start making positive changes that maybe we've been putting off for years. Celebrate the progress you've already made. Visit betterhelp.com slash uncovered today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash uncovered. Back to the show and back to now, Ron Filipkowski. Uh, Donald Trump has um, always denied that he benefited financially from his tenure as uh, president. But uh, he goes on Fox News and, and gives a completely different version of the history and basically admits that he profited to the tune of $8 million. I'll show the clip and then we'll talk about it. Here it is. And if I have a hotel and somebody comes in from China, that's a small amount of money. And it sounds like a lot of money. That's a small. But I was doing services for that. People were staying in these massive hotels, these beautiful hotels, because I have the best hotels. I have the best clubs. I have the best clubs. I have, the be- I have great stuff. And they stay there and they pay. I don't get $8 million for doing nothing. So much sniffing going on in these interviews that he gives Lots these days. Yeah, yeah, so weird. Um, well, what, what's going on here? I mean, that was a bit of a kind of car crash moment for him. I don't think he even realizes what he's saying. This is another one of those moments. We just had one with Sean Hannity a few weeks ago where, yeah. you know, Hannity is trying to help him out and, you know, un, uh, and f- clean up something that he just said on Truth Social. 
So a couple weeks ago was that he was going to be a dictator for a day, right? So, yeah. so Hannity says, "Oh, you're not going to be, you're not going to be a dictator, right, Donald? You know, right, Mister Pre?" And he says, "Well, you know, yeah, <laughs> you know, only for a day, though, right?" Yeah. So here it happens again, you know, with Brett Bear in his Fox Town Hall, where Bear is like, you know, there's this news report, or no, the House Democrats Raskin put out this report that said that your businesses took in $8 million from foreign governments, most of it from China. You know, what, what, you know, this didn't happen, right? You know, this really didn't happen. So I think what he was looking for Trump to do, and I think what most of MAGA thought was he was going to deny it. You know, yeah. he's going to say, absolutely not. You know, like Eric in the past has, has denied this because Eric run ran the Trump businesses while he was president while while his father was president. So Eric is the one who would know. And Eric said, no, no, this didn't happen. So he's denied this. So then Trump gets asked about it and he says, yeah, he's like, yeah. you know what? Uh, I got nice stuff. They yeah. pay, they pay through the nose. Cause I got, I got nice hotels, you know, <laughs> setting aside the fact that in the constitution, we have an emoluments, emoluments clause that says that, a president cannot do that. Right. Cannot accept and, anything. And the Hatch Act, right? Yeah. Well, that though that that that's a little different. Um, where you can't, you know, campaign, use government property to campaign on. So it's a little different. But the emoluments clause is really what this is, which is you can't accept any gratuity, any money from a foreign government. And you know the way Trump interprets this is like you know, somebody can't hand him money and put it in his hand. Yeah. Well, you know, he's not looking, he's not looking at, at it when, when like China rents out a whole floor of rooms in his hotel and gives him, you know, 50 grand. He doesn't view that as a violation of the emoluments clause, because what he's saying is I provided a service to them. So that doesn't count because it's not a gift. That That's basically his argument. I mean, he, the guy just has no argument. He's such a crook through and through. It's it's like the 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 criminality like flows through his veins. He doesn't know any other way, and and that's how he's taught his children to kind of grow up, and they've learned from him. And so, of course, there's the the you know the tax evasion. Of course, there's lying about the size of the properties and how many floors the tower is and all that stuff. You know, from the from the um, uh, Forney Willis uh, trial. Um, but, you know, we're in a situation now where this guy is the former president. All this stuff's coming out. He's running again. I'm convinced that it is going to dent Republicans' view of him at the ballot box. I'm convinced of it now. You know, I, I was touch and go for a while. I was thinking, ah, but now as his behavior is changing and he's making these types of admissions, you know, that was on Fox. Of course they're going to see it. And And if if this primary wasn't going on, that never would have happened, yeah. you know, and that's why that's why I get frustrated when I hear my fellow Democrats, you know, say like, uh, you know, Nikki Haley should just drop out. You know, she can't win or, or you know, who, none of these people can win. That's not the point. Yeah. You know, I, I hear these experts, pundits say all what's the you know, they're breaking it down state by state. What's the path for Haley? Yeah. I don't care no. about any of that. No. I want this stuff to keep happening. Yeah. I want him to have to keep doing town halls and rallies where he's going to keep saying this stuff and making mistakes. And if Haley and DeSantis drops out tomorrow, which is what Trump badly wants, he's not going to have all these opportunities. To and make he's not, not just humiliating himself, Ron. He is perjuring himself. Yeah, he because is. Because a lot of this stuff is now being brought into the courtrooms. It is. Because there's so many court cases. And so all this 
crap that he says in public is going on the record. Jack Smith is using a whole bunch of stuff at the moment. Letitia James has been using a lot of stuff. Ngoran's been using stuff. They recognize the fact that, you know, Trump is never off the record. Trump's statements on, and his true social posts are constantly being presented in courtrooms. Yeah. Constantly. Yeah. He's his own worst enemy. It's literally, you know, a nightmare for a lawyer <laughs> to, to just, you know, where you think you, you know the case and you think, you know, this is going to be our defense and this is going to how, how I'm going to approach this. And then, you know, he gets on on Hannity and he says something and your whole your whole defense just went out the window. And what's so brilliant about it is that they're taking stuff that he's saying. It's not like they've prepared for the case months before and that's wrapped up and then they have to like make their case in, in court. They're so open and they're so aware of the fact that he is like a this he has no inner monologue. So he's constantly posting a stream of consciousness that they are taking stuff that he posted that morning and announcing it in court, bringing it in as evidence. It's, yeah. it's very impressive. Yeah, and and they're all smart enough now to monitor everything right. he does and says, knowing that he'll do this. And so, yeah, it's a little different ballgame when back in the day when he was president, you know, he would say all this crazy stuff, and all we could do with it really was to go to a senator or a Republican senator, a member of Congress, and say, hey, did you hear what Trump said last night? What do you think about it? And they would just run away yeah. and say, oh, I didn't see it. Yeah. You know, well, he, he, that's what he, how he used to be able to get away with this stuff. But now that stuff is being taken into courtrooms and presented to juries and judges, and it's hurting him. Nikki Haley was asked on TV about her views on the, on the, on the rape trial and the defamation case. And she was like, well, you know, I, I don't know anything about that. I've not been following it. And it's, it's just such a lie. It's just so obvious that, you know, everybody knows what's going on with Trump and his legal issues. And, you know, she's not been she's not had her head in the sand for the last three years. She, she knows exactly what's going on, but she doesn't want to get into the weeds of it because, you know, she, her her success is hanging on a knife edge. I can guarantee you that she sat down with her consultants or campaign manager, and they had a very lengthy conversation about that trial, whether they were going to use it, how they were going to use it, what they were going to say. She knows all about this. Yeah. And, and they she's just decided not to get, not to comment on it. Let's talk about uh, Don Jr. for just a moment, because uh, he's now, you know, that their ego, this Trump family is such that when they go on these right-wing podcasts and whatever, they get a little bit, you know, a little gun-ho. He's now, he was asked about how his father might end Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And, and, and Don Jr. just basically just comes out with it and says what we've all been thinking and confirms Donald Trump's strategy. Here it is. What's your opinion on the solution to the Ukraine war? Cut off the money. Mm. It's the only way you get them to the table. Right. As, as long as I mean, we're literally creating the oligarch class of billionaire in Ukraine with whatever's being siphoned off, whether it's Zelensky, whether it's this, while they send young men to die as cannon fodder on the front lines because they couldn't care less. It's fucking disgusting what's going on there, uh, that it's allowed to happen, that we shut down anything. It, it's so obvious nothing's ever going to change there if the money keeps flowing. My father would have been like, hey. You got like one more month of this, and if you're not at the table, it's done. Yep. Guess what? Zelensky wouldn't have a chance if we shut it down. So he'd come to the table, and they'd come up with something. Absolutely. Uh
I mean, it's what we've all been saying, right? You know, Trump's yep. going to give away territory. He's going to give Putin what he wants because he wants to, you know, save face with Putin. And he hates Zelensky, of course, off the back of his impeachment for the for the perfect phone call. Trump will never say, you know, what he would have done. You know, he whenever he gets asked on Fox or Newsmax or whatever, okay, well, you said this never would have happened if you were president. Well, what would you have done? He will never say exactly. You know, he's very evasive. And then we get the truth from Junior because, you know, Junior, these aren't these ideas are not coming out of Junior's head. You know, they're coming from his, from talking to his dad on yeah. rare occasions that he does. And so he knows what his dad's thinking is on Ukraine. He's obviously heard it. And he just told you what it is, which is, you know, after one month, he would have told Zelensky you know, we're cutting off all aid and you got to give Putin what he wants, you know, and and I've had MAGA people say, no, no, Trump, you know, Trump would never do that. Trump wouldn't have done that. Yeah. I mean, you just heard Junior saying that. And the other thing is this, you know, this is this is a sort of a new um, argument that you hear a lot from the right, which is that, you know, the Biden administration in the West is being cruel to the Ukrainian people because, this is their argument, their their twisted mind. It's all Russian propaganda that the Ukrainian people are being forced to fight. They don't really want to fight this war, but they're they're being forced to do that by our puppet Zelensky because we want to use them as cannon fodder to chew up the Russian military for us. So we're we're basically sacrificing the Ukrainian people for our own selfish purposes. That's that's the argument that they are making now. Okay, and that they're really in it for the right reasons. They're trying to save the Ukrainian people, MAGA, right, by ending this war, which is, you know, of course, ridiculous, because what if this was our country? You know, what if Russia invaded the United States? You know, are you going to say that all of these people, the Ukrainians are fighting and dying to save their homeland, that they're being used? I mean, it, it goes back to that whole suckers and losers of yeah. Trump's mentality towards vets. Yeah. They're all and that's what they're John saying. McCain. They're saying that Ukrainian soldiers are suckers and losers. That that's basically the argument. And it's just xenophobia and racism at the end of the day. You know, it's what it boils down to is that there is, you know, the through line and we're going to talk about this in just a few minutes with with uh, MLK Junior Day, but you know that this this deep-seated institutional racism, systemic racism and it extends to even Vladimir Zelensky and the people of Ukraine now. You know, the, the thinking is it's so backward. Uh, and of course, you know, they're tying aid to Ukraine with money for the war in Gaza and, you know, the, the, the CR, the continuing resolution for maintaining the government coffers. I just want to show this clip of MAGA Mike Johnson, your, your favourite, uh, the... Um, insurrectionist, Christian nationalist, Speaker of the House, who uh, got doorstepped. I'll take a look, and then we'll talk, we'll talk about it. Speaker Johnson, a lot of conservatives Let me, let me are... tell you what's going on. We're, we're having uh, thoughtful conversations about funding options and priorities. We had a cross-section of members in today. We'll continue having cross-sections of members in. And while those conversations are going on, I've made no commitment. So if you hear otherwise, it's just simply not are true. You open We're to looking that? forward to those conversations. Are you open, are you open to, to the questions, guys? Yes, yes, I'm on the phone. I'm on the phone. I mean, it's so he is he is I call him the Trojan horse, you know, because he is dangerous. 
and but because he presents well and is is neat and mild mannered, he gives the impression that he's you know he, he's someone that you can do business with. But he has some very dark views. He's lying right there, and, and you know that's a really bad lie. I mean, what happened last week on Friday was really, really bad for our prospects of how the rest of this week is going to go and how next week is going to go with the the continuing resolution, which expires on Friday to fund the government. Because here's the problem. You need to have someone that you need to have the person you're negotiating a deal with to actually like represent his member. Like you need to know when I'm making a deal with Mike Johnson and we agree on something that he has his members behind him right. and he's going to control them and get them to vote for it, right? That's how it works. That's how Pelosi operated, right? right? When you made a deal with Pelosi, it was a done deal. Like Pelosi didn't come back to you a week later and said, Hakeem Jeffries doesn't like it. I can't do it. You know, <laughs> I mean, that, that's not how it works, right? So uh, that's what happened here. I mean, Mike Johnson reached a deal uh, with Schumer with the and with the Senate leadership, uh, the Republicans in the Senate, and with Schumer, and you know what happened is it got out. Some of the details got out, uh, and uh, J- James Lankford, the senator from Oklahoma, also helped negotiate that deal for Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell designated uh, Lankford to negotiate for the Senate Republicans, yeah. Schumer for the Democrats. Mike Johnson is there for the House. They reached a deal, and then what happened is like ten. Freedom Caucus far-right members like Green threatened to remove him as speaker because they were upset about the deal. And then Mike Johnson runs out and says that. Oh, no, no, no. There's no... Wait a minute. Nothing set in stone. So he basically reneged on the deal. So how do you go back to the negotiating table with somebody who's just basically double-crossed you and who also can't control his own people? And that's the problem. That's where we're at right now. And there's also diktat coming from the Trump camp that they don't want a continuing oh, resolution, yeah. that they, they absolutely want to shut down the government on Joe Biden's watch and then politicize that and use it against him. And that's the one area that Kevin McCarthy uh, bucked Trump on. You know, you're right. That's what Trump always wanted. He was yeah. he wanted that since 2021. He's wanted the government to shut down and the economy to crash. And McCarthy wanted to be speaker and wanted to hang hang on to his majority. And understood that if he goes along with what Trump wants, you know, he's going to lose his majority and not be speaker anymore. And so he went against Trump on that. And what happened? It cost him his speakership. And so Mike Johnson sees that. So, you know, he's got this push pull here. He's got these 17 members up for reelection in districts that Biden won that want this deal done. And then you've got, you know, 15 or 16 people on the far right who are loyal to Trump who don't want him to make a deal and are threatening to remove him as speaker. And he's caught in the middle and he's such a weak guy that he he, he just doesn't know what to do. And so he's just running around, not sure what he what he's going to do. I mean, it's all going to come to a head on Friday. Um, it was you know, they were supposed to reconvene on Monday and hammer all this stuff out. They had two snow days. I mean, on Tuesday. So Tuesday and Wednesday was snowed out. So they're, well, they were back doing some committee hearings today. But look, you know, he took a long recess over Christmas and New Year's. There's not many days left now because he's been fooling around. Do you think he'll still be speaker in three months' time? 
I mean, I would I'm gonna say probably yes, just because I think that you know, after what they went through last time, where they went through Jordan and Scalise and McCarthy yeah. and all these people retiring, I just don't think that when push comes to shove, they want to go through that again. It's too embarrassing. And I think I think if if Johnson was smart and tough, that's what he would say to them. He would say, Look, you know, we're this is what we're doing. I'm going to save you guys are all in safe districts. You loud mouths. You you're, you're going to win your reelections easily. So I'm not listening to you. I'm, I'm listening to the members who are in trouble and who are in tough fights and I'm going to do what they want. But you know, he doesn't have the spine to do that. Um, Cassidy Hutchinson, who gave a very compelling testimony at the 6th of January investigation. She, of course, was Mark Meadows' uh, assistant and was very much in the room where it happened. Um, and so much of her testimony now is, is really kind of, you know, building Jack Smith's case, amongst other things. But now she is under investigation by House Republicans. Uh, Representative Barry Loudermilk is uh, kind of leading this claiming that she's changed her story and she changed her lawyer. And, and I know you're going to have a lot to say about this because we know why she changed her lawyer. We know why she changed her story. But let's watch him try and pin it on her on, uh, on Fox News. They had people change their testimonies. Uh, and that's what it appears happened with uh, Cassidy Hutchins. Her first three depositions were totally different than her last two. And we found, as we talked about on this uh, in this program, uh, we found an errata sheet, which is for minor technical changes. Hers were substantial changes to change her testimony to match her, her uh, sworn testimony to match what she said in public. The interesting thing about that, she changed attorneys during that time period. And so part of the issue is we've only been able to listen to what Cassidy Hutchins said of why she changed her testimony until this week when we found that she had actually waived her attorney-client privilege with her previous attorney, Stefan uh, Pasatino. So now this opens up for us to hear from him, his perspective of why Cassidy Hutchins suddenly changed her testimony from Trump wasn't coming to the White House to the point of where he's trying to jump over the front seat of the beast to take control of the steering wheel. Uh, that's pretty significant. Oh, man. We should call him Barry Louder because he doesn't want the milk on the end mentioned clearly when he doesn't get her name right, just calls her Cassidy Hutchins four times just then and leads out the Hutchinson. So maybe that's the new Republican thing. You just don't say the last syllable of, of anybody's name. Yeah. Are you adding S to Jamie? Are you adding S to Jamie Raskin's right. name? But like that's a, an example of the lack of attention to detail. If you can't even get your you know, the, 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 this person's name right, then, you know, what detail are you investigating anyway? Loudermilk is one of the dumbest members of Congress. Um, he represents <laughs> northern Georgia. His yeah. district is right next door to Marjorie Taylor Greens, and they're, you know, two peas in a pod. Um, he's not, this is so incredibly dumb. I am so happy he's doing this. I, I would say to him, <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So I, I pray that but that he has a hearing on this. He probably won't, though. You know, this will probably be one of those things they'll try and do behind closed doors and do a trial run. But when you think about what he's saying and what he's doing, this is coming straight from Trump. Right. Which is how you really know how strategically stupid it is. And he hates you know, Hutchinson, doesn't he? Trump. Trump. Is he hates really her with a passion. Yeah. 
because she was right there in the Oval Office and she's she's the one who double crossed him. And and Mark Meadows does not flip and cooperate with DOJ, which he's likely doing if Cassidy Hutchison doesn't give her testimony first. Yeah. Hutchison forced Meadows to cooperate because Meadows Hutchison was going to put him in jail. So he had to cooperate because of her. And Trump knows this and that's why he hates her. So what do we know? Okay, what we know is what he just mentioned, that Trump world hired Pasatino. Pasatino went to her and said, good news, young lady. I'm your lawyer and you don't even have to pay me. You don't have to pay me anything. Why? Because the Trump people were paying him because they knew how dangerous she was. They knew how much she knew and they wanted to keep her quiet. And what Hutchison told the committee, and, and he brought her in to give a sworn statement, and she did. And what she later told the committee was that he pressured her to lie, to yeah. cover things up, to hide things, um, et cetera, et cetera. So she leaves there. She has a, She feels terrible about it. Her conscience is bothering her. She consults with some family friends. They say, you need to get rid of this Trump lawyer. She, she does that. She hires her own lawyer. She comes back to the committee, and this is what he's talking about. And she tells them, I didn't tell you the whole story because of this other lawyer was making me lie. I'm going to come clean and tell you everything. And so what he's saying is now, he's like, okay, well, we only have her side of the story. We don't have Positino's side of the story. So we're going to bring him in and talk to him about this. Here's why this is a nightmare, because she had to waive her attorney-client privilege to be able to come in and tell the full story, which she has done. Pazzettino is very, very fortunate that he did not get disbarred or prosecuted criminally for what he did. He only lost his job, okay? He, he left the firm that he was with, okay? That's all. That's basically all the punishment he got out of this. If he goes in and now perjures himself, in other words, he does not want to do this. This is the last thing that this guy wants to do is be dragged in front of this committee to talk about this subject. So I think it's going to completely blow up in their face. It's going to make them look terrible. It's going to be worse than any Comer hearing, you know, yeah. where every Comer hearing, they come out looking worse than when they started. This would be on that times 10. Talking of Comer, I now hear that they are negotiating with Hunter Biden to have him testify. So all yeah. of that crazy stuff now is uh, probably going to blow over as well. So much of it is theater. It's a political stunt, political theater to give the impression that, you know, the Republicans are doing something. If only they spent as much time working on policy as they do on the on the theatrics. Policy is boring. Yeah. You, know, you want to do all this other stuff for, well, I mean, it gives you, give an example what, you know, here in Florida, they, they finally just went back into session and they had like the, one of their first committee hearings of the, the state legislature. And they only meet like two months out of the year. And the first hearing was about banning transgender pride flags in classrooms. That's the, the you know, after we have an insurance crisis, we're the highest insurance rates in the country. Right. People are losing their houses because they can't pay the insurance premiums. We have the highest car insurance in the company in the country. Our legislature has been out of session for nine months. They finally come back. And today they hold a hearing on pride flags. That's that's the Republican Party. 
Okay, let's uh, finally talk about Martin Luther King Jr. Day and how it has been um, handled by the MAGA Republicans, because, of course, they don't like all this attention that the civil rights movement is getting. It it doesn't suit them. So Lauren Boebert posted a tweet, which uh, you put out for us. I'll read it out. She posted, Martin Luther King Jr. had a dream that we would all be equal in America. Equity had no part of that dream. It was about equality. Let's end the woke movement in America in honour of MLK Jr. Um, Where do we start with this, Ron? I mean, you know, where we start, Mark Cuban and Elon Musk had a great back and forth about this. I think where Cuban just completely cleaned his clock about DEI. You know, this is the new thing that they want to go after, you know, the DEI. Stephen Miller is behind it. Chris Rufo. This is their next big target, right? They want to do everything is being blamed on diversity, equity, inclusion. And, you know, in the past, the Republicans have always um, been careful not to say anything negative about Martin Luther King, you know, and and to, uh, you know, only cherry pick certain quotes of his that he liked while ignoring his record in a lot of other areas. (laughs) And so... Um, you know, for this, you know, Lauren Boebert knows nothing about Martin Luther King. Again, we could give her a 10 question basic quiz on his life and she would get all 10 wrong. She doesn't know anything about him or care um, or care. So what, you know, the concept that he would not have agreed with DEI programs. If you, if you know about King, if you've read his writings, if you read his speeches and you're familiar with more than just, you know, the eye of a dream speech, then you would, fully un- understand that he would be behind these things because what this is, it's just outreach. It's just, yeah. as Mark Cuban explained, it's just going into communities that you've never thought of going into, or you're not familiar with and finding talent and giving talent a chance. And that's really what it's all about. It's not, it's not grabbing people who aren't qualified and putting them in positions that they're not qualified for. It's giving people a chance that maybe don't look like you. They didn't, grow up in the same places that you grew up in. They didn't go to the same schools, but they're bright and they're hardworking and they're talented and you're going to give them a chance. That's what that is. And to say that King is against that, would be against that, is just asinine. Um, Charlie Kirk had an even more explicit analysis of, of MLK Day. Let's take a look at how he's presented it. I haven't called for tearing down any statues, but wait a second... If you are, if you get a statue like George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, you probably got it for a good reason. You founded a country. And if you're saying that Martin Luther King is a new founder of new America, then make that argument. The question is, should it be a federal holiday? Should it be one of the largest statues, monuments in Washington, D.C.? These are legit questions. And is it the myth, the legend, the fable? Or is it the reality? And what purpose does it serve? Has it made America a better country? We want all people to have a better quality of life. And Marxism is not the pathway. And race Marxism certainly is not the pathway. Race Marxism. Race, race Marxist. Yeah. Look, this, he, he, he really overshot the mark on this. Because like I said, in the past, Republicans have always been very careful not to criticize King. You know, and, and to just kind of use the King legacy, use certain parts of it for their own purposes without looking at the full picture of his life and his work. 
that's what they've done in the past, which is sort of if you're going to try and use King for your own right wing purposes, that's probably the smartest way to do it politically. Kirk is a moron. And, you know, Kirk decided that he was going to go after King and he was going to say on Martin Luther King Day on his show, he did a whole special on it about how King was a terrible person and a bad guy and a piece of crap. And, you know, he shouldn't even have a holiday after him because he's a terrible guy. And I can, you know, he had a bunch of people on his show that were guests. And I can tell you who really, really was upset about that was black Republicans, you know, who I heard from and I saw on social media. And basically their argument is, you know, we have worked, we're black conservatives for different reasons. And, and, you know, it's very difficult for us in our community to convince people to vote Republican. It's always been a difficult task for black Republicans to get other black people to vote Republicans difficult. And he goes, and they, they're basically, their argument is this punk just undid all of our hard work. And just, you know, we've been trying to tell people, you know, Republican, white Republicans aren't racist. You know, they're, 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 they're good to our community, et cetera, et cetera. And then a guy like Kirk just goes and wrecks it all. And, and, and also, by the way, you know, we hear a lot about young black men supposedly moving towards Trump, where Trump is starting to get more and more of them in the polls. And then you have a guy like Kirk, who's in charge of uh, attracting young voters to the Republican Party. And he's out here trashing Dr. Dr. Martin Luther King yeah. on Martin Luther King Day. I mean, just complete lunacy, idiocy. And, you know, good thing for but Democrats. This is, Ron, this is who these people are. This total denial of the black American story. And, you know, I think it's important, especially this week, that we remind people that, you know, white Americans of history enslaved black people. You know, it's, it's almost like the slavery conversation, education about slavery, as we know it, barely exists in, in, in some schools. You know, these, 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 they called them, you know, masters, drivers, responsible for discipline on plantations, slaves you know being punished for not working fast enough or for being late getting to the fields or for defying authority or for running away, you know, for, and, and the punishment whippings, torture, mutilation, imprisonment, being sold away from the plantation. And you know what Charlie Kirk would say about that? Mm -hmm. You know, I can just tell you what right-wingers would say is that they did them a favor because they're better off. Them and their ancestors are better off now because they were brought to this country instead of staying in Africa. This is their mindset. This is their mentality. It's It's so base. It's so offensive. It's so racist. And the thing is, if you are a black American, you live with this in the same way that, you know, young Jewish people think about the Holocaust. You know, there is a there is a through line in your history. And the fact that African-American women endured the sex, sexual exploitation and, and, and rape and being sexually stalked and harassed, had their used, babies taken away and had sold. their babies taken away and the yeah. abuse was was widespread uh, you know as the men with authority took advantage of, of that situation and it's so you know we we need to talk about the the horrific activities of slavery and and 
and not just whitewash it, brush it under the carpet. You know, you taught history and... I mean, even in England, we didn't get enough of it, you know, enough education of the, of these subjects. And, and of course, you know, the Brits have their own terrible tale of, of occupation and slavery and, uh, you know, colonization. It's, it's just terrible. And to deny any of that and, and to be Charlie Kirk and think that you're clever because you're, you know, trying to reset the conversation on this subject. Who the hell does he think he is? It's so dumb. It's a good way of putting it. He's trying to reset the conversation about yeah. King. Yeah. And you know what? Hey, if they want to go down that road, go right ahead. Okay. <laughs> you know, we'll I mean, I, I don't I'm not I don't think it's a good thing, but yeah. I mean if you're trying to win elections yeah. for Democrats, it's yeah. a, a good thing that they're gonna do that. Yeah. P- people are, are not so stupid, you know. They you know, yeah. credit people with a modicum of intelligence and understand the plight of people that maybe don't look like you. Do you know, very quickly and finally, I was watching um, a Nigerian woman being interviewed about Nigeria, which, of course, is going to you know, have one of the largest populations in the world in a few years' time. And uh, she was saying, you know, we don't talk about ourselves as black. No one refers to them as, as, as black. We don't talk about our, our skin color. We're all black. And I thought that was a really interesting position. You know, we don't really think about that. We think about the, the people desperate to kind of compartmentalize. But she was saying that in Nigeria, it's not even a subject that we would we would consider. Uh, okay, listen, we have to finish, but I'm thrilled to have this conversation with you. If you missed any of it, you can rewind and watch it again. As soon as we finish, you can download the audio podcast tonight from wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to catch, well, certainly Ron's work on MidasTouch.com, the uh, new place to head for the very latest news as it happens. I'm Anthony Davis. We'll come back next Wednesday and do it again on Uncovered. Thanks a lot, Ron.